Praise God. It feels good in the house of the Lord tonight. Aren't you thankful you made it to church? Aren't you thankful you have a Savior that took your place, that became your substitute? Amen, amen. Just, just a quick announcement before we dismiss our classes, of course. Um, Brother Landon Gore will be back with us this weekend. And Brother Draylon Young will be here as well. And they have... They have, they have worked together many times, and um, so when I felt to ask Brother Gore to stay, I let him know that Brother Young was supposed to be here, and then I, I called Brother Young um, Monday night, I think it was, and told him what was going on, and he said, man, I'm, I'm just as happy as I can be. Let's do it. And um, he said, Brother Gore and I have worked together before, and so we'll be, we'll be good with whatever. And so there's just no telling what's going to happen here Sunday. I believe it's going to be great and mighty. And it is Father's Day. It is Father's Day, and we're going to we're going to honor our uh, fathers on Sunday. And Brother Draylon Young has a powerful testimony as related to. Father's Day, and so I've asked him to give that testimony somewhere in the service, uh, but I want you to come ready for Apostolic Church. We're in revival, and um, there was a, a group, there was a group that um, went out uh, last night, and, uh, and then after church Sunday night, uh, for, uh, first of all, I think we had three get the Holy Ghost Sunday morning, we had at least one get the Holy Ghost Sunday night. And then I was at the restaurant and uh, got a text, and they were here uh, long after church, people that didn't come to church. Somebody went out, I don't know where they ran into them, brought them back to the church, and they baptized the husband and the wife in Jesus' name, and God filled both of them with the Holy Ghost. And then... Uh, Sunday night, we, we sat down in Texas Roadhouse, and there was a, a young lady there waiting on us. Her name was Terry, and as soon as we sat down, she walked up. She said, you, you're a pastor. I said, I am. She said, you pastor greater faith. And I said, I do. How do you know that? She said, you baptized me in Jesus' name. And I said, I did. She said, yes, eight years ago. She said, somehow we ran into each other, and you told me I was baptized wrong. <laughs> and uh, I said, okay, it's not coming back to me, but I'm not surprised if you were baptized wrong. She said, oh, no, I was baptized wrong. And I said, well, what happened? She said, I got baptized, and God filled me with the Holy Ghost. And she said, that was eight years ago. I'm telling you, I no longer hit the seat. She said, you're a pastor. And people remember. They remember. They, not, they may not be ready to live for God right that second, but they remember. And uh, she was just as sweet as she could be. And we talked to her the whole time, of course, while we were eating. And I gave her a card. I said, you got to come to church Sunday. We have two great men of God that are, that are going to be with us. And, and uh, she said, well, I work on Sunday. And I said, well, I know you work Sunday evening, but this is at 11 o'clock in the morning. She goes, oh, I can come. And she said, I'm going to come and bring my mother. She's sick. And, and she said, I, be, I believe the Lord would touch her if I bring her. So I'm going to bring her. Amen. Hey, Amen. You keep on, keep on witnessing the people and keep on being an example and keep on uh, planting a seed and inviting people uh, to the house of God and they, they will not forget it. Um, so Sunday Sunday's going to be a great time and um, I can't wait to see all that God's going to do. I know Brother Draylon Young is also going to be at Louisville Central at the 2 p.m. service, and there's a, there's a chance. I haven't talked to Pastor Jackson yet, but there's a chance that 
maybe Brother Landon Gore will be preaching over there as well. I said, man, I'm not trying to kill you guys, but, uh, man, we need it right now. We just, we just need it, and I'm excited about revival. So uh, last night, last night they, I think one of the small groups went out, and they started uh, talking to people, witnessing people, and ended up baptizing five people. And so this, this week, this week, uh, I, think, I think there's been 10. Um, I might have this backwards. I think there's been 10 filled with the Holy Ghost and nine baptized in Jesus' name. Can you give the Lord praise for that? Yeah. Praise God. If you're a guest here tonight, we welcome you and we thank you so much for being here. We're honored that you are here. Um, I'm going to dismiss our children's classes, the teachers and all that kind of stuff. And everybody that's in here, I normally have you fellowship for a moment. But um, what I'm going to do is just, just kind of have you make contact with your neighbor there. And I want us to begin to pray together as this mass exodus of the children is taking place. Would you pray with me right now? Father, we need you in this place tonight. Thank you for your great power and your goodness and your mercy, loving kindness. You are so worthy, Lord, of praise. You're worthy, Lord, to be exalted. We praise your name. We praise your holy name. We love you, Lord God. We glorify you. We glorify you, Jesus. Ask you to bring us together, one mind, one accord, one faith, our commonality, God. Help us to come together in the name of Jesus Christ. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your power. Thank you for your glory. We honor you tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Clap your hands if you're expecting the Lord to do something for you tonight in this place. I know it's Thursday night. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and, and forever. You can be seated. I spoke with my uncle um, Tuesday of this week. I haven't talked to him in a very, very long time. You know how it is. It's just time and distance. This is my brother's uncle. I... I mean, my, bro- my, uh, my father's brother and my uncle. And um, I probably have not, I was trying to do the math. I'm going to guess I probably have not seen him in person in 40 years. And he lives in Oregon. And uh, I think they are watching right now. And in March, he was diagnosed with terminal cancer and so tonight uh, they have given him a few days to two weeks now he told me that that's what the doctor said and when I called him the other day he he said of course my older brother Pastor BK's father has stayed in touch with him a lot through the years and and he said I really would like for you to pray for me and I said all right what would you like for me to pray Uncle Jerry, and he said, I would like for you to ask the Lord to heal me. And I believe the Lord can do it. And a lot of times there is this large gap between can and will. We believe he can. We don't know if he will. And we are working hard over the years. Now, I need this church to not let me forget uh, I, I want to do some teaching before we actually pray for him. And this, this teaching, I was going to teach this anyway um, because there's a lot of people that have not heard this particular type of teaching in this order. Um, and there's a lot that have forgotten about this teaching, and this is only a thimble full of it tonight. I, I literally could teach on this week after week after week and probably not cover it all. Uh, but I'm going to talk tonight about the great physician. 
do you know he is the great physician? And so it is important as we head into revival that, that we close that gap between can and will. What he can do and what he will do. I think most everybody believes that he can do anything. But so many people struggle with what he will do or what his will is. And we know that it's not his will that any should perish, but it's neither is it his will that any be sick. It's not his will. And so we want to close that gap. And we are in great expectations that here over the next few days and weeks and months, um, Brother Landon Gore has cleared out the entire month of July for us. And he is going to be here. The We have a gap there on the 26th of this month. We're trying to figure out what to do about. And I've reached out to a couple of people, and they can't make it. But God's going to give us the right person to be in this pulpit, even if it's local. Um, but uh, through the month of July, you can expect Brother Landon Gore to be here on Sundays in revival. And uh, so because of that, we need your giving. We need your sacrifice. We need your faith and uh, expectancy. Everybody say revival. In 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 8, it said, For if the trumpet gives an uncertain sound, who shall prepare himself to the battle? And I think along the lines of healing through the years, there, there is becoming more and more of an uncertain sound from the pulpit. We preach healing for the sick with a bit of a question mark which causes an even greater question mark in the seats and in the pew. But we, we need only to go to the Word of God and to read exactly what God said about the healing of our body to know what His will is. This right here is His will. This is, this is His last will and testament. This is what He has left us to understand what it is that, that he wants to do with us and, and for us. We, it is too late in the hour to live with some kind of rationalized faith or become some kind of socialized church or to preach some kind of moralized gospel. It's not going to gain anything for us. It may gain some form of applause, but it will awaken no conviction, and it will win no converts. We have to preach the word of God as it is given to us without question. It's not about, well, what about them, or what about how come, and this, and why did this, and I don't understand, and we tried, and we fasted, and we prayed, but it didn't, and whatever. You can't, we're, we're not keeping record of, of what God hasn't done. We are looking at his word, believing his word, and what he has promised that he will do. If you believe that, say amen. amen. And so we understand that the agony of the cross was, it was torture. There was a lot of bloodshed, and there was a lot of pain. And we know that Christ poured out his blood uh, seemingly as balm, healing balm, to heal the saints' wounds. And he literally tears off his flesh to bind them up. When you look at the cross, you should only see God's anger towards sin, his hatred towards sin, but his willingness to provide a substitute for us. How many of you believe I know a lot of you have heard this before, but we're just going to go back to the basics. How many of you believe tonight that when you repent of your sins, God forgives you? How many of you believe that? Okay. Lord, forgive me of my sins. I'm asking you, Lord God, I'm repenting. I'm changing the direction of my life. How many of you know he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness? You know why we know that? We know that by the word. And we receive that by faith. So we have faith. There's, there's really no evidence other than being filled with the Holy Ghost. But uh, those of you that have the Holy Ghost, if you repent tonight, 
Nobody's going to hand you a forgiven token. There's not going to be anything that you can uh, hold in your hand that says, I know beyond the shadow of a doubt I have been forgiven, but you know that by faith. Everybody say by faith. I know it by faith. Now, I I wouldn't uh, say anything so cutthroat, but I'll just quote something from John G. Lake, and this is what he said. What would you think of a man who needed healing for his spirit and went to a soothsayer to get it? What would you think of a man that needed healing for his spirit, but he went to a soothsayer to get it? And I think you understand the point. If you need healing for your body, he is the great physician. Now, faith, as we've said many times before, faith must be directed and connected to something. It cannot be ambiguous faith. You can't just say, I believe, and it just fling it out there in midair. Like it's, okay, what do you believe? You have faith. What do you have faith for? Because some things are easy to have faith for. And other things are not so easy to have faith for. It's pretty easy to have faith to believe that God has forgiven you. I realize we carry shame and there's some people who believe they can't forgive, but be forgiven. But by and large, most people believe that when they ask the Lord to forgive them, that the Lord forgives them. That is, that's easy to have faith for. But when you're hurting from the top of your head to the sole of your feet and you come forward for prayer and the preacher or the believer or somebody lays hands on you and they pray that prayer of faith and the pain is still there, that's a little tougher to believe for. But it does not mean that God did not heal. They say, well, wait a minute. Now, the, the pain is still there. I understand that. But pain is a symptom. It's not a source. Pain is a symptom. It's not a source. So we pray for the cause, and, and we pray the prayer of faith, and that means that sometimes we have to dismiss what we see and feel in the natural and just accept the word of God that when the word of faith, it's not the word of evidence, it's the word of faith. When the word of faith is spoken, that means that it is done from that very moment. If you believe that, say amen. I'm going to ask you to respond a lot tonight because I want to make sure that you're you're getting this. And so uh, faith, faith is not, it's not the same as, uh, you know, what we would call maybe childlike wonder. I realize the word of God says, except you become as little children, you shall in no wise enter the kingdom. And I get that. But faith is not childlike wonder. You, you know, you can't just believe in anything. To believe in anything is possibly to believe in nonsense. So your faith has to be directed at something and it has to be directed at truth you cannot if you have faith in a lie you believe a lie you'll be damned so so where is your faith directed i'm going to ask you to redirect your faith tonight because if you believed what the doctor said i'm going to ask you to believe what the great physician says You had faith in what the doctor said, but it's greater to have faith in what the great physician said. Now, the reason it's easier a lot of times to believe what the doctor said is because sometimes we have some evidence to back up what he's saying. But we don't have evidence to back up everything he's saying because there are such a thing as false positives. You get a false positive on a test, and before they get the... The results from the next test, well, we're going to have the results from the next test in three and a half weeks, and you're three and a half weeks about to have a nervous breakdown because you're scared to death of what's coming out on the next test result. But God doesn't need another test because he provided the substitute. The substitute took our place, and we have faith in the word of God. Amen. True faith is not a leap into the dark. It's a leap into the light. And we're going to believe what the Word of God says. We are stepping into the light of God's revelation that He is the great physician. Would you clap your hands unto the Lord and give Him praise? Come on, give Him praise. Now in Hebrews chapter 3 and verse 12, the Bible said, Take heed. That's a warning. Everybody say, Take heed. 
brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief. Lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief. Unbelief is not just a bad character trait. Unbelief is not a bad habit. Unbelief in the eyes of God is evil because without faith it's impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God, he that cometh to God, must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Unbelief is evil. In Mark chapter 11, verse 24, it said, Therefore I say unto you what things soever you desire when you pray, when you pray, here's a novel idea, believe that you receive them. Whatsoever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. A lot of times, and I've, I've said this before, we get we get caught up in we get caught up in um, just praying and saying a bunch of words and uh, you know repeating phrases and repeating sentences and trying to fill dead space and we're trying to see how many words that we can spit out and there's no faith attached to it. Whining is not praying. Complaining to God is not praying. It's not faith. Telling God what he hasn't done, holding him hostage, accusing him of letting you down, there's no faith in that. But he said, when you pray, if you believe that you shall, if you believe that you shall receive them, you shall have them. Everybody say, I believe that. Now, in, in James chapter 5 and 14, this we, we know this here, but uh, we do have to believe it. Is any sick among you? Is there any sick among us tonight? Is there any sick among us? I'm, there's no sick among us. Praise God. I've got two and a half of you. Is there any sick among us tonight? Raise your hand real high. Stand. If, if, if there's some form of infirmity in your body, some kind of weakness, sickness, just stand. I'm not going to ask you to do a flip or anything. All right? All right. Is any sick among you? So first, you can be seated. We have to identify who the sick among us are. And then he said, let him call for the elders of the church. Now, uh, the first decade I was here, I had all kind of people that would call me to go pray for the sick. I don't know if you heard so-and-so's in the hospital. Now, if they're unconscious, I get that. But a lot of times I would get there and they'd be, you know, playing a game or something in the hospital bed. And I'm like, you all right? Yeah, I'm okay. Just had a few symptoms, whatever. I'm good. You know, they said they'll let me go in a couple hours. Okay. Well, somebody acted like you were dying. Uh, no? No, everything's okay. It, it doesn't say if any sick is among you, let them call for the elders of the church. It said let him. Let the sick. Let the sick call. Because if the sick doesn't believe that God's going to heal them, and they don't make the call, it don't matter how many people want you to be well, you're probably not going to be well. But if you're sick and you've had enough of it, and you say, I need the elders of the church to come and pray the prayer of faith over me, I believe the prayer of faith shall save the sick. Now, he said, and, and this, this next verse is important, and he said, and the prayer of faith shall save the sick and the Lord shall raise him up. Next. And if he have committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. If he have committed sins, they shall. Why, why do you say that? Because it's no different for God to forgive or to heal. When they brought the man sick of the palsy to him, they said, this man is sick of the palsy. He needs to be healed. And Jesus said, thy sins be forgiven him. Thy sins be forgiven you. It's no different for God. Those of you that raised your hand, everybody in the building raised their hand and said, I believe that when I ask the Lord to forgive me, that he forgives me how many times? Every time. We don't catch God in a bad mood where he says, no, nah, I ain't forgiving you this time. That's the last time you're going to lie to me. No. Because his mercy is everlasting. He even told his disciples, when they asked him, how many times are we supposed to forgive somebody? Times seven times? He said, no, seven times 70. 
The Lord's not going to ask man to forgive with a greater measure than he's willing to forgive. And so that's why every hand went up. We believe that we've got a faithful high priest. And we believe that he is a faithful Savior to forgive, to forgive us of our sins and our trespasses. But he is the same Savior when it comes to healing for the sick. The Lord shall raise him up, and if he committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. Now, that word elder, let him call for the elders of the church. That word elder means an ambassador. Those of you that pray over people in the altar, if you're an elder, if you're an elder, you're an ambassador. I, I, I'm calling for the ambassadors. I'm calling for the ones that have the legal powers from God to do this. I'm, I'm, called, I'm calling for the people that have faith that God has commissioned them and has allowed them to lay hands on the sick. They are the ambassadors of God. They represent God to the people. They have come with a word from the Lord, and the word is, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to be healed. And probably three of my most favorite, if not my most favorite, verses in all the scripture. If you know this, say it with me. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgiveth all thine iniquities, who healeth all thy diseases. Who forgiveth all thine iniquities, who healeth all thy diseases. Do you see the pattern here? With God, sin, sickness are the same thing. I'll forgive, I'll heal. Which one do you want me to do? It's no different. If you need healing, tell me, to, tell me you need healing and I'll heal you. And if, you forget, if you've committed any sins, I will forgive you. If you need forgiveness, I will forgive you. But that's where we stop, right? Because if the Lord is saying, if you need healing, then call for the elders of the church. Let them pray the prayer of faith, and I will heal you. The prayer of faith shall save the sick, and if they've committed any sins, they shall be forgiven. Then you can reverse that. If you need to be forgiven, I will forgive you, and if you need to be healed, I will also heal you because it's the same prayer of faith. Jeremiah said, Thus saith the Lord, Cursed be the man that trusteth in man and maketh flesh his arm and whose heart departeth from the Lord. This is, this is where I feel like uh, one of our biggest hurdles is, is trusting in man. We're trusting in man. We're trusting in a world economy. We're trusting in an American economy. We're, we're trusting in political leaders to put food on our table we uh and they would love to do that they'd love to put the whole population of the world just in bondage and slavery and just it, it's good getting free money from the government until the government starts clamping down on your responsibilities back to the government because it's, it's never for free it's going to cost you something it's going to cost you your freedom is what it's going to cost you and it's going to it's going to dumb down your mindset of the blessings of God upon your life. And now you're on a fixed income. And they're the ones that fixed it. Are you listening to me tonight? Okay. And so we, we, we trust in man. We trust in, we trust in man uh, for all kinds of things. But we especially trust in man when it comes to healing for our body. You cannot walk by faith and lean on flesh at the same time. Now, I, I make this statement when I... When I talk about healing for the sick, I believe it from the top of my head to the sole of my feet. Uh, no doubt that there's always somebody that gets upset about it. I normally don't hear of it here in this church, but you know, every once in a while, bless you, you will hear, you will hear people, um, you know, just kicking back on it or whatever. But this this is the way I look at anything you receive from God, either. Either God does it or he doesn't do it. Imagine God saying, I'm not really in the mood to do this. Um, kind of crossways with you right now. Um, you know, my power is not really sufficient. Um, 
My blood has lost some of its power. But if you will go down to the emergency room, I will guide the hands of the doctor. Imagine that. I'm going into surgery. Will you pray for me? Why? I'll pray for you that the doctors don't kill you. Fourth leading cause of death in America's medical malpractice. I will pray that they don't kill you. They killed them one after another on ventilators. It, to me, it's either, it's either or. People say, are you against doctors? No, if you want to go to the doctor, go to the doctor. But don't act like God's in the middle of all this stuff. I just, you know, I, I've healed too many people lately, and I'm kind of running short on it. And so, you know, but, but if you'll go in, if you'll go in, and uh, I especially love working through chemotherapy. Imagine that. Now, I can say that because I watched them uh, put my mother on that stuff for seven years, and it was torture. I saw her quality of life. I saw her skin tone. I saw the lack of energy she had. I saw her go to the very, very bottom, almost to the point of death, several times, long before she ever died. But I also remember the doctor telling the family and her, you only have a short time when she was in the last stage of cancer. And then all of a sudden there was a turnaround and prayer of, the prayer of faith was made and God did a work and the doctors couldn't find the cancer. I've seen that happen. I'm not trying to be ugly, but it's either chemotherapy or Jesus. It's either radiation or Jesus. Jesus, I'm not trying to be ugly. If you want medical help, go get medical help. But Jesus ain't in the chemotherapy. He's not in the radiation. He's not in the scalpel of the surgeon's knife. He's not in the pharmaceuticals. It is Jesus, his blood. He died to save us and to heal us. Oh, yeah, praise him. Come on, praise him. The woman with the issue of blood, she was sick for 12 years. She spent all that she had on the physicians and was none better. But she said, if I may but touch the hem of his garment, if I. She didn't put the responsibility on Jesus. She said, if I may but touch the hem of his garment, I am going to do something with my faith that's going to get a hold of Jesus. And I am going to cause the virtue to come out of his body. Imagine Jesus turning and saying, who touched me? Well, it was this woman right here. She knew, with, oh, she said, I, I, I'm healed. She knew within herself. Imagine him saying, well, man, go back to the doctor and get a checkup. Make sure. Because that's what we preach, isn't it? Got to use wisdom. Got to use wisdom. Don't get quiet here. Okay, I get it. I get the world that we live in. This is just a thimbleful that I'm giving you here tonight. I'm not trying to be ugly. I'm not trying to be mean. I'm not trying to be nasty. I'm just trying to get greater faith back in the book. Amen. That's why, that's why we don't see a lot of people going to the doctor. The reason is, is because there's an apostolic covering over this place. And we are greater faith, not in name only. We are people that practice what we preach. And we believe what the good book says. We believe the word of God. Can I preach here for just a moment? We don't have a big hospital ministry around here because we don't have a lot of people going to hospital because every second song up here for every service, people line up and we pray for the sick and God does miracles every service and we barely even talk about it. We just move on, but I'm talking about the great physician tonight. Oh, why don't you praise him? Come on, praise him. Whoa, come on, praise him. Let your faith rise. In Isaiah 53 and 4, just this one verse, this is Bible in basic English. Listen to how it says it. It said, but it was our pain. Everybody say our pain. Say my pain. Is anybody in pain right now? Okay, raise your hand if you're in pain right now. Keep it up. 
It was our pain he took. The Lord took that. He took it 2,000 years ago. It was our pain he took. And our diseases were put on him. While to us he seemed as one diseased on whom God's punishment had come. Why? Why did God punish him? Because God hates sin and God hates the byproduct of sin, which is sickness. Am I making sense here tonight? He was our substitute. Hebrews 4 and 14, seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our profession, our profession of faith, for we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities. Where are you hurting tonight, Andrew? Your head. I got to quit hollering then, don't I? Well, Jesus, Jesus had a headache for you. Where are you hurting? The foot. Okay. Jesus, his foot hurt too. They had a spike through it. We have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities. He is not disconnected from us when we are sick in body but was in all points tempted like as we are yet without sin. So the question here tonight is, and, I, and I've got a bunch more to teach, but you always have to ask yourself this question because this is where we limit God. We limit God based on who it is praying for us. But if Jesus was standing here tonight instead of me, if Jesus Christ was standing in this pulpit tonight, do you think he'd heal you? Now, I, I don't, you know, I don't, if, if you could tell, I'm not, I'm not hinting. I'm just, I want you to think about this. If he's standing up here and you're sitting out there and you said, if I could just touch the hem of his garment, I know I'd be healed. Do you think that you'd be healed tonight? Of course you would. And of course, everybody in the house believes that. But if we have this disconnect in today's world between can and will, God cannot go any further in expressing his love for us than he, uh, than he already has. His great love for us. He sent his son. He died for our sins and our transgressions. And he cannot do anything more than what he has already done to prove to us his desire to heal us. In John chapter 5 and verse 19, the scripture said, Then answered Jesus and said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, The Son can do nothing of himself. Watch this. But what he seeth the Father do. For what things soever he doeth, these also doeth the Son also. For the Father loveth the Son, and showeth him all things that himself doeth, and he shall show him greater works than these that you may marvel. Isn't that powerful? For as the father, father raiseth up the dead and quickeneth them, even so the son quickeneth whom he will. Jesus did what he saw his father doing, and that was healing the sick. And Jesus, the disciples of Jesus, did what they saw Jesus doing. That was healing the sick. The 70 elders in Luke chapter 10 did exactly what they saw the apostles and Jesus doing. They went from house to house, and wherever they received unto them, he said, if you knock on the door and they receive you unto their house, go into their house and heal their sick. Is that powerful? Heal their sick. You know why? You know why? I was looking at the pictures that, that uh, Taryn sent me last night, these people getting down, uh, baptized downtown at the fountain. And they, were, they had baptized this one girl. You could see the power of God on her, and she, you, you could tell she was clearly moved by God. And in the next picture, they were baptizing a young man. I don't know if I assume they were together, but the girl is in the background facing another direction, and the power of God is still on her, standing thigh deep or knee deep in that fountain because there's something that happens when you go out to where they are. There is a power. Boy, I feel it right now. 
There is a power when the church gets out of the church. There are more miracles that happen outside than happen inside. There's more people that can get the Holy Ghost outside than inside. But as the apostolic church, a lot of people have problems with that because those aren't tithers. Jesus and the disciples did the majority of their ministry outdoors. They didn't have big fancy buildings. They didn't have LED walls. They didn't have uh, lights for the camera. They didn't have live stream. They didn't have all of that. They went out into the highways and the hedges. They went into the communities of Caesarea Philippi and, and around the Sea of Galilee and they cast out devils and they healed the sick and people received the Holy Ghost and Ephesus had 60,000 in the church but that wasn't 60,000 in a building. That was 60,000 over That was 60,000 with a hundred here, 500 there, and 200 there, and 150 there, and 10 sitting around a coffee table in a house somewhere. That's why we have small groups. That's why we have Bible studies. That's why we go out in the streets and evangelize. There is a special anointing that comes with that. But you got to have a makeup made up in your mind that he's a great physician, and I've come as God's ambassador to heal the sick. He said, if they receive you, heal their sick. Why would somebody praise him right now? Acts chapter 8, Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them. The people with one accord gave heed. The people with one accord in the city of Samaria. Let's just say we go down to the city of Louisville and we preach Christ unto them. The Bible said the people with one accord gave heed unto those things which Philip spake. Why? Because they were hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. The miraculous is a witness and a testimony of the only gospel. The true gospel produces converts. It produces conviction and it produces healing for the sick. Now, the writer of Hebrews gave us a strong warning. He said it like this, harden not your hearts as in the provocation. What's the provocation? That's when Israel in the wilderness provoked God with their unbelief. Harden not your hearts as in the provocation of the day of temptation in the wilderness. When your fathers tempted me, proved me, and saw my works 40 years. They tempted me, they proved me, they saw my works 40 years, whereas... Wherefore, I was grieved with that generation and said, They do always err in their heart, and they have uh, not known my ways. So I swore in my wrath, They shall not enter into my rest. Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God." I wonder how many of God's promises we are missing out on because of unbelief. Because somebody somewhere said something and we believed it, but we didn't confirm it with the word of God. Because somebody preached religious tradition and old wives' tales instead of just sticking to the word of God. We have got to preach the unadulterated word of God the way that it's written more today than it's ever been required before. We've got to preach it, and we've got to preach it with faith, and it's got to be received by faith. And he said, but exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. For we are made partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast until the end, while it is said today, if you will hear my voice, Harden not your hearts as in the provocation. For, for some, when they had heard, did provoke. Howbeit not all that came out of Egypt by Moses, but with whom was he grieved forty years? Was it not with them that had sinned, whose carcasses fell in the wilderness, and to whom swore he that they should not enter into his rest, but to them that believed not? So we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. I wonder how many doors we haven't been able to walk through because of unbelief. And guess what? God wasn't leading them into Canaan based on Moses' faith alone. 
He wasn't leading them into Canaan based on Moses' faith and the priesthood's faith and Joshua's faith and the elders' faith alone. God was not going to lead them in until he had everybody that was a part of the people that he brought out of Egypt. Even though a generation had to die off, he was not taking them in until the corporate body, until his corporate body. So I'm going to answer a question for you right now. Of all the people saying, why don't we see more miracles today? How come we pray and this happens and then this don't happen? How come it's sporadic? How come it's just a few percentage? And the reason is, is because we've got an apostolic church that is still in the wilderness and can't enter in because of unbelief. Because you go overseas, you go to Africa, you go to Ethiopia, you go to the Philippines, and you will see blind eyes open by the dozens. You will see gross disappear by the dozens. You will see goiters disappear and tumors fall off and crippled people healed by the power of God because they all they have is faith. What we have is insurance. There is something that God needs to do with the church of the living God and awaken us to help us to understand that we don't need to trust in man if we will trust in God. We don't need to trust in medicine if we will trust in the blood. Come on, you don't have to worry about the next test result. I'm telling you, the great physician will take care of it. If you're sick in body, if you're crippled in body, if you're afflicted in body, if you've got an infirmity in your body, God will heal it. He'll do it tonight. I know it ain't Sunday, but God can do it on Thursday night. Clap your hands if you believe it. Did you believe before you were saved? Did you believe before you were saved? Or did you wait till after you were saved before you believed? Well, I got to be saved to believe it. Well, you'll never be saved. You had to believe before you were saved. You cannot be saved. We're saved by grace through faith. Through faith. Faith is the doorway. So many people would be saved, but they want to feel saved first. And there was never a person who felt saved or was saved before he believed. And the reason is God's plan is always this. If you will believe, you will see the glory of God. So sometimes it's impossible. It's impossible. you got pain in your body. Andrew's got a headache right now. And so when we pray, the enemy is going to do everything he can to keep Andrew's mind on the headache, on the pain. But we got to get our mind on the word. Right now, when I'm preaching, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Right now, right where you sit, they got the Holy Ghost in the second chapter of Acts while they were sitting. You can be healed right there where you sit right now. Because the word is going like a laser out to you. I'm preaching healing. The word is going like a laser out there. It's looking for somebody to hit. And all you got to do is complete the circuit by faith. And say, that's me right now. Right now. I receive it in the name of the Lord right now. I plead the blood of Jesus right now. I call upon the name of Jesus right now. You're my healer. You're the great physician. Yeah, somebody can be healed right now, right now. I think I'm going to teach a little bit more, but right now, if you need healing, you can be healed right now. I challenge you to believe it right now. I have preached enough word right now, and you don't have to struggle for it. You don't have to beg for it. You don't have to strain for it. You don't have to stress over it. All you got to do is say, God, I receive your word. I receive it in the name of the Lord Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. I've said this many times before, and you, you respond to the way you want to respond. I've said this. This is one of my favorite quotes of all time, my favorite stories of all time, and I know most of you have heard it, but some of you haven't, and it's a powerful testimony. Now John G. Lake, if you don't know who he was, he came out of the Azusa Street Revival. 
We received the Holy Ghost in Los, Los Angeles, California in that revival that, that was part of the first great awakening. It swept across the United States of America like, like a firebrand. And John G. Lake received the Holy Ghost, and he ended up in Spokane, Washington, and began to preach faith healing up there to the point where they constructed or bought a building, and in there they had what they called healing rooms. So people go in just, just like you'd have patients in a hospital, I guess, but not hooked to IVs. They would go in there, and they would speak faith to them, and they would read Scripture to them, and they would instruct them and teach them and tell them God's about to heal them. And out of those healing rooms were 300,000 documented miracles that took place. And Spokane, Washington, on the newspaper, on the front page newspaper in Spokane, Washington, in the early 1900s, read, Spokane, Washington declared the healthiest city in America. That is the impact that one man can make. And so he was overseas in Africa, and he was praying for people with the Ebola virus. And they were amazed because nobody wanted to touch people with the Ebola virus. They'd come for praying, they prayer, and they pray for him from a distance. But John G. Lake just reached up and just put his hand on their head and declare healing over them, and God would heal them. And so they had some kind of reporters. I don't know if they're in the United States when he got back or over there or whatever, but there were some reporters that were trying to understand and said, we don't understand. This is the, the, the most deadly, contagious virus on planet Earth right now. How in the world are you touching these people contract and not contracting the Ebola virus? It's, it's contracted just, just by the mere touch. And he said, I read, I read Romans chapter 8 every day, but I live it every minute. And he challenged them. And they brought a microscope. And he put his hand under the microscope. And they, they took, uh, what do you call those things? Hmm? Like an eyedropper or something like that. You just squeeze a liquid up in there. And they, they took the Ebola virus and they dropped it on his hand. And the scientist was amazed when he looked through that microscope and saw the virus dying as soon as it touched his skin. Because that's the power of faith. I feel my help right now. That's the way you have to live your life is by faith. You cannot be dismayed about the little ups and downs of the day. God is faithful. You cannot worry about tomorrow. God's going to take care of you. You're not going bankrupt. If you get laid off your job, God will give you a better job. He's not going to diminish your income. He's going to double your income. He is not going to leave you sick. He's going to heal your body. He's not going to leave you in sin. He's going to pull you out of it. Come on. you got to live it every single minute. Praise God. And I'm almost done. I've got an encyclopedia here to teach, but I'll wrap it up here in just a moment. We're going to pray for my uncle, and then we're going to pray for anybody here tonight that is sick. Matthew chapter 8 and verse 15. He touched her hand and the fever left her. He touched her hand and the fever left her. We need people with that kind of authority. And she arose and ministered unto them. When the even was come, they brought unto him many that were possessed with devils. And he cast out the spirits with his word and healed all that were sick. Everybody say all. He healed all that were sick, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet Isaiah, saying himself took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. Bare our sicknesses and took our infirmities. And then in Matthew chapter 12 and verse 15, but when Jesus knew it, he withdrew himself from thence, and great multitudes followed him, and he healed them all. Everybody say he healed them all. In 1 John chapter 3 and verse 8, he that committed sin is of the devil. For the devil sent it from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. It was for this person, uh, this purpose that he was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. God didn't put that on you. That's an attack of the devil, or you need to take care of your body. Now, if the Lord heals you, start taking better, get better care of your body. 
You're going to get a whole lot of amens on that. We're not going to blame everything on the devil. But God didn't say, I'll only heal you if it was caused by this or this. If it's called by this, this, and this, eh, it's up for grabs. Depends on what the service is, what day it is, what song's being sung, what preacher's preaching. No. The Bible, the Bible says, when you read the Gospels, it seems like, you know, there's maybe, what, I don't know, 40 or 50 miracles in there, 35. Seems like, you know, it's just whatever. But the Scripture said, that's not all that Jesus did. He said, matter of fact, the world cannot contain the books that could be written about all that Jesus did. I want you to think about that. That's, a, that's what the Bible said. The, book, the world cannot contain the books that could be written about the miraculous, supernatural demonstration of Jesus in the lives of people. One day when we get over yonder, we, I got a feeling we're going to see all that stuff that couldn't even be recorded because the world couldn't contain the books. And I'm going to tell you right now, every service, every day, every minute, there ought to be a miracle in your life. He's a miracle worker. We're closing the gap between the can and the will. He, it's not that he can't, just can, but he will. you got to believe that he will. If you don't believe it's the will of God for you to be healed, you won't be healed. Praise God. Stand with me. I, I want us to come around the front, and I hope that, you know, my, my uncle may be asleep, but... And I hope that Linda is at least watching. And I, I want you to find four or five groups, of, you know, just four or five to link up with. I want you to kind of get in groups or you can just link up across the front. Come on, everybody. Come on. We got the speed up coming down front. And we're going to pray. Listen, I, I want you to pray, first of all, the, listen to me. This is very important. Faith has a fuel. Anybody know what the faith, what the fuel of faith is? Anybody know? Obedience. That's not it. Anybody want to take a guess? Nope. Nope. It's love. Faith, which worketh by love. Now, if you will pray, boy, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. If you will pray as if that was you laying in Bend, Oregon on your deathbed. If you will pray with that kind of compassion, not only will God touch him, but God's going to move through this church right now. And he's going to heal joints and muscles and tendons and organs, nerve endings. He's going to heal people's mind. He's going to lift things off of people how many of you believe what i'm talking about man i feel i feel the witness of the holy ghost here right now we're just going to begin to pray and i want you to pray with authority for him first and then and then it's going to begin to move it's going to move here and as you need something from the lord i want you to reach out and take it I want you to take it by faith. I want you to tell the Lord, I believe your word, and I thank you for your healing right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, oh God, by the authority of the word of God and by the power of the name of Jesus, I pray that your hand would stretch toward Bend, Oregon, Lord Jesus. And I pray, Lord, that you would touch my Uncle Jerry's body, Jerry Nichols, Lord, in Jesus' name. I curse that cancer in his body. We can't get to him, Lord God, but you can dispatch angels to go to where he is and fill that house. I pray for Linda, God. I pray for her mind. I pray for her emotions. I pray for her heart. I pray that there would be an outpouring of the Spirit of God in that room. In the mighty name of Jesus, oh God, we curse every horrid disease we bind the spirit of infirmity lord god by faith i know that you're going to honor this prayer we pray together you said if any two shall agree is touching anything on earth it shall be done i pray father i pray father that there would be life and not death 
Let him live and not die. You're the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in you, though he were dead, yet shall he live. I pray, I pray God move. Move, Lord. Move in that house. Move in that room. Stir, Lord, in Jesus' name. Just like we've seen so many times before, God. The lady that was watching the service in Sacramento that had not been down and been in her knees and been back up in years. She couldn't remember how long it had been. While she was watching the live stream, God, you healed her completely. I pray that you do it, do it for this situation. I pray that you would do it now. Oh God, the one that was watching from North Carolina that needed a healing in her body. She was watching the live stream, God, and you healed her. I pray that you would do it, Lord, for every person that's watching the live stream tonight. That's it, come on. That little bit of resistance you feel right there is the enemy. It's the enemy trying to limit your faith in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Lord God, you're a sovereign God. Oh yeah, come on, I feel liberty coming on. I feel it a stirring coming on right now in Jesus' name. Oh God, I pray that you would move in this place. Move in this place, God. I speak healing and wholeness over every child of God in the sanctuary tonight. Ah, hallelujah. Come on, come on, take a hold of it. Take a hold of it. Take a hold of it. Let God do it right now.